Welcome to New Life Church. Glad to have you guys with us. My name's Jeff. How many of you guys are excited to be at church today? Come on. Yeah, yeah. Wow, we've got, uh, we've got some fun stuff today, okay? Uh, but before we get to all of the things we've got going on today, did you guys realize, uh, how many of you guys were here last week for our Easter services? Anybody? All right. If this is your first time hearing about Easter, it was last week. And it will come again next year, okay? Uh, but here at New Life Church, you know, we, we love um, seeing people find Jesus and seeing lives changed. I mean, that's what we as a church are really, we're all about that. Um, that's what we exist for. It's why we hold our Sunday services. It's why we do, you know, all of our different events. It's why we have children's ministry and youth ministry and outreach. It's the reason why we have multiple campuses. So you're one church, multiple campuses. I'm saying a big hello to everybody worshiping with us at North Platte and everybody that's with us online. Last week at New Life Church, both of our campuses, we saw 16 people find Jesus and we saw 1,872 people see their lives change on Easter. That's awesome. So I just want to say thank you for inviting people. Thank you for praying for people. Thank you for having the compassion of Christ for our communities. Uh, we want to be a church that continues to see people find Jesus and see their lives changed. At our North Platte campus, they had a record a record. We've never had, you know, this particular amount of people there. It was just packed out for both services. So we're excited about what God's doing in North Platte. It was awesome. It's, um, it just is one more reason that justifies why we had to buy a brand new building um, out at our North Black campus. Now, it's a used building, but why we're buying it. We close on it May the 1st. We're going to try to sell our current facility, and then we've got a bunch of work where we've got to build out the inside of it to make it into a church. Um, so we probably won't be worshiping there until maybe the 1st of January or somewhere beyond that. So be praying with us. But this week, we close on it because God can keeps seeing people, you know, come to his son and God keeps changing lives in North Platte. That's really exciting for me. So way to go, way to go. Uh, another, another point is this, next Sunday, look, here's what I want you to do. Get out your phone, make a Google appointment, like go into your calendar, set an appointment with yourself, right, to be at church next week at New Life. Here's the reason why. We're going to have a massive celebration at New Life Church. A massive one. 31 people are taking a big step of faith and going, I'm going to get baptized in water next week. It's a crazy, it's good. I love it. I love it. So, hey, I'm speaking to you guys right now, online people, okay? You're worshiping with us online. We love you. We're so glad you're a part of our church. We will not be broadcasting water baptisms. So you know what that means? You gotta be here, <laughs> all right? So come and worship with us at one of our uh, one of our services. Okay. So look, one last thing. We just had our men's conference here at the Carney campus. We saw you know like uh, 237 men signed up for it. We had over you know 250 men serving and participating in it. It was incredible. More men found Jesus and made him the Lord of their life. It was amazing, and as well. 
I got to, you know, meet one of my goals, which was a month ago, the women had an event here at the Kearney campus and North Platte. They saw 204 women. And I said, look, we got to beat them, men. And we did it. Hey, hold on, hold on, don't, don't, I know, I know you want to clap, men. It would be wrong, let me tell you why. I celebrated that in public with my wife and other staff there with me last week, like, we beat the women. And a table next to us, like, turned and looked at me after I said, we beat the women. And I was like, no, we don't beat women. All right, no, we don't, we don't do that. You, you, misun- you misunderstood me. So I apologize for that statement to whoever that was in public. That was not what I was referring to. And then my wife appropriately looked at me and she said, you may have got more numbers than us, but you needed the whole state to do it. <laughs> women of new life, as men of new life, we concede to you the victory. And on that note, my friend Rod Rod Whitlock, who was speaking at our men's event, is here this morning to deliver God's word. He's a great friend of our state. He's a great friend of mine. And I want him to become a friend of yours. So would you welcome to New Life Church, my friend Rod Whitlock, come on. Wow, what a great celebration. What a great church. You guys are celebrating. You guys clapped more just in the last couple of minutes than most churches do in the whole year. I mean, that was awesome. That was awesome. You guys are celebrating. I love a celebrating church. I love a church that has reason to celebrate. And what an honor to be here with you today. Welcome, North Platte. Glad to be with you as well. For those of you who don't know, I do have four kids and one wife. And I... um, (laughs) We've been married this August. We've been married 35 years. It's the longest I've dated anyone. And um, yeah, it's awesome. And uh, four kids, three of which are married. We have seven grandkids, one on the way. Now, I know you're looking at me. You're going, you look way too young to be a grandpa. And then you laugh. I don't know why you would laugh. I think I look way too. Anyway, but it's great to be here with you. I'm looking forward to the day. And um, I want to jump right into to the message here that I just, as Pastor Jeff and I talked about, you know, where God was taking the church and what he wanted to do, just as the Lord began to lay this passage and this story on my heart, I think that it, it'll relate to all of us in some way, in some manner, but not just to us individually, but to us as a church, that God is not just wanting to do things in us but he's wanting to do things through us and in our communities and across the state. And so let's get right into it if we could. The the title of the message is God is calling you to a first. God is calling you to a first. And I want to look at the story of Jonah, real familiar to many of us. Let's look at chapter one, verse one. said, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh, announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked the people are. We're going to see how wicked they are in just a minute. But Jonah got up and went into the opposite direction. Have you ever been in a situation where God's asking you to do something and you're like, okay, and then you head the other way? Just me? Okay, just me. But he went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape 
from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. So in other words, he went totally opposite direction. Let me give you a picture of what this looks like. Let's look at this map here if we could. So we see that the blue is where uh, Joppa, where Jonah started. The red is where he's supposed to go, which is present-day Iraq. So he's supposed to go over there, Nineveh, and instead he heads to the yellow, as far away from where he's supposed to go as possible, and as far away as the known world was at that point. In other words, he is committed to getting as far away from this thing as possible. He wants nothing to do with what God's asking him to do. And we see that even Jesus refers back in a teaching to Jonah later in the New Testament. And, and so the, the, the significance of that is simply this, that if, if Jesus tells the story and if Jonah didn't really happen, then when Jesus tells a story, he's lying. But the fact is, is that it's a true story that really happened, even to the point that Jesus refers to it in a message. And by the way, I thought, if Jesus preaches it, if I preaches it, it's got to be a good thing, right? I mean, Jesus preached this message, so I'm in the heading in the right direction. And so we see this, plus I, I, I think that the idea is, is that, that Jesus, and again, he was referring to much more than we're going to talk about today, but the idea being that God's call is upon each of us to do something greater, and God oftentimes takes these stories in Scripture, and he uses them to help us. So think of Jonah uh, this morning as kind of a roadmap for us. He's referring back and he says, look at the life of Jonah. I want, I want you to see some things in it because they really apply to our lives today. And what, what God wants us to see is, is that I'm using stories from the scriptures to help us in our life's journey of following him. Now, what we see is that Jonah was a prophet. Jonah's a prophet and, and he was the first prophet sent by God to a heathen nation. So that right there says a lot about who Jonah was. In other words, out of all the prophets of Israel, God says, Jonah, you're the one that's going to be the first to go to another place, and it's going to be a heathen nation. The first. Do you remember some of your firsts? Like, I remember my first day of school. My first day of school, kindergarten. And we had to go, I had to climb up steps up a hill, and then you could see the school. And I remember as a five-year-old little boy, I climb up those steps, I look out and see the school, I turned around and went back home. I was like, I don't want anything to do with that, right? And then my first crush, Lori Mangelson, fourth grade, Phoenix, Arizona. Lori, Lori, that was worth a try. Anyway, so, but my first crush, you remember your first crush? And then my first kiss of my wife. My first kiss was the first time I kissed her was at the altar the day we were married. Now, she kissed me a lot of times before that, but that was my first time that I kissed her. <laughs> Then my first scary teacher, eighth grade, Atwater, California, Mrs. Sanchez, taught English. Anyway, and then, and then my, first, my first sermon I ever preached. Here we go. Here's a, here's a cassette. You remember those? Remember cassettes? January 14th, 1987. By the way, I have about 500 in the car if you're interested in getting one after the service, all right? <laughs> Trying to sell those things. And what God was doing was... He was the first with Jonah, and he was trying to take him out of his comfort zone. He was saying, listen, I know you're, you're a good prophet. You're, you're maybe the best. That's why I'm calling you. But it's time to move out of your comfort zone. It's time to, 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 to do something you've never done before. It's time to, 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 to be a little bit more courageous. And God always does that in our lives. What he does is he takes us and he says, okay, time to do something different. Time to do something bolder. Time to be more courageous in this thing. We've got to step out. 
And when God does that, a lot of times what we do is we do a Jonah. We, pull, we go in the opposite direction. We say, okay, God, you're, you're calling me here, but I don't think I can do that. I want to do this. And we head as far away as we can because it demands more faith. But isn't it interesting that all the time we're praying, God, give me greater faith. Help me to grow. Help me to become more like you. And God says, okay, go to Nineveh. And we're like, no more faith, God. I don't want more no faith. <laughs> Stop with the faith. Nowhere in the Bible, if you read through the Bible, nowhere in the Bible will you ever see God calling us to easy things. He's always calling us to more difficult things. And I, listen, I've come here this morning to, to, to just kind of encourage you in this simple, this simple fact. That God is, sees in you a level of faithfulness. He sees in this church a level of faithfulness. But he's always wanting to take us out of that and into a place where he can, we can begin to see, wait a minute, there's something inside of me that I didn't see before. Jonah didn't see this in himself. That's why he ran. And there's things in our lives that he looks and he says, I see this in you. And we go, but I don't see it. And he goes, I know that's why I'm calling you to something more difficult so that you'll have to step up and trust me more. See, if I can do it, I can do it. But God calls us to things that we can't oftentimes do ourselves so that we see, wait a minute, he is the one that is faithful and he's the one calling me. And so God, in my weakness, you are made strong. And in my weakness, I'm going to have to rely upon you on a different level. And so God, you have permission to call me to whatever level you want to call me. You see, Jonah's, Jonah's very name, uh, Jonah, the son of Amittai, means son of faithfulness. So this is who he was. This is who Jonah was, but he had never experienced the level of faithfulness that he was going to be called to, and so God calls him to a new place, a scary place, and maybe you've been in a scary place. Maybe you've been in a place where things, your own storm, let's call it, like Jonah was. It was a four-year four period in, 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 our, in my wife and, and I, our lives that, that was kind of a scary place. That we went through a, a bunch of stuff during that time. Both my, parent, both my, my wife's parents passed away. My son, uh, who's a youth pastor, lost his first ministry position from financial cutbacks at the church. My daughter and her, her husband had six miscarriages, back to back to back to back to back, all in a row. You can imagine as a father the pain that my wife and I we were going through in that moment. My wife and I both had surgery. We both had cancer. We had to have our thyroids taken out at, uh, within a couple-year period of each other. I lost two ministry positions due to some cutbacks and some things. I was diagnosed with stage four kidney failure. Stage five, you get a new one. I was, I was, and we didn't know why. And then finally, they, they discovered what was causing this, and so I had to go and have surgery, which resulted in three additional emergency surgeries over a three-week period, emergency room visits, doctor's appointments. No one knew how or what they could do to stop this thing, the emotional weight, the physical stuff that was going on all through this period of time. Everything that was happening in this moment, over this four-year period, I had to cancel speaking engagements. I, had to, I didn't have any steady income for an entire year. Now, fortunately, my wife is a preschool teacher, so she makes about a million dollars a year. <laughs> so it was able to pay for all of my surgeries and all the hospital visits and everything. I want you to know the faithfulness of God. The reason I tell you this story is this. We never missed a payment. We never went in debt. God is faithful. And through that storm that we were in where we didn't see the end of it, 
God was showing us a, a, a faithfulness in him where we had to depend so that, watch this, so that when he, because he was getting ready to call me and us to some things that we had never done before, that we didn't even think in our wildest imaginations we would be capable of doing. And God said, no, 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 you've seen my faithfulness. Now I want to show you the faithfulness that you don't yet know about yourself. And so out of that season there, my wife finally came to me and she said, and there's more to the story, but I don't have time. She came to me and she said, Rod, the only thing that's worked for you is is that, that you travel, speak, and you do some coaching and consulting. Why don't you just start your own nonprofit and do that? So I did. I started, I started a nonprofit ministry out of that, and, and, and we started. And then all of a sudden, the Lord said, I want you to put together some books. And so I started writing books, and, and I, so I wrote three different books, and, and a, a youth leader's one, and a, a journal for teenagers here, and then a story uh, about my life and what God was doing in my life, and I'll tell you more about this in a minute, called Abandon. And I wrote these books here, which I, it's, if, if you'd have told me one day you're going to write three books, I would have thought, you're crazy. Because, see, you don't know my story. You don't know my background. You don't know where I came from. So this right here and starting a nonprofit and then relying upon people calling and inviting me in to come and speak and do different things, that's not, that's, if you knew my story, you would know that that's not where I came from. But then I look at the faithfulness of God with my daughter and her, her husband. And, and after six miscarriages, she had a little baby boy and then just recently had her second. Let's take a look. Here they are right here. God, God is faithful. God is faithful. And he sees things in you and he sees things in us that he goes, okay, it's time, New Life Church. It's time to step out into a new place of faithfulness. It's time, uh, uh, a follower of, of Jesus, to step out into a new place of faithfulness. And we see that. So if you're going through a battle, if you're going through a storm, if you're going through a tough time, you may very well be going through a time that God is preparing you for something greater than you thought you could do yourself. It's, it's too easy to get comfortable. It's too easy just to kind of rely upon, yeah, I remember five years ago when we did this, and wasn't that great? And remember last year when this happened? And about 15 years ago, we had revival, and, and, and the church that's always talking about the past can never move forward. And God wants your, you as a church and you and, uh, and us as individuals to be thinking, God, what's next? What do you want to do? Let's not just say it as a saying. Let's not just sing it as a song. But truly, the best is yet to come. God wants to do so much more in your life. He wants to do so much more in, your, in, in, in who you are because you don't yet see the abilities and the giftings and the calling that God has in your life that he sees in your life. See, we want the call of God to, to be... Uh, easy, and, and we want the call of God to be comfortable, and we want the call of God to, you know, and I don't know about you, but that's what I want for my life. I just want, uh, I just want, I wish I had a sandwich right now. That would be awesome. But I just, I just, um, excuse me a minute. It's refreshing. You know, I just, you know what if, you know what my dream job is? Here's my dream job. My dream job is to be on the beach of Jamaica in a lounge chair on the, right on the beach, um, having my little umbrella drink, uh, non-alcoholic, and um, <laughs> my, 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 and, and selling ice cream. That's, that's my job. Just making enough money to pay for my little umbrella drinks. That's my job. And, and, as a matter of fact, I told my wife when we were going through that period, I say, honey, let's just 
sell everything, one suitcase. You get one suitcase, we're moving to Jamaica, and that's what we're doing. And uh, it just would be so much more comfortable. It'd be, it'd be so much, it'd be easy. And, and yet God never calls us to easy. He, call, he, he, he says, I, I need you to step out of the comfortable of what, what you're in, and I need you to step forward into the call that God has for your life and I need you to do things you never thought possible before. And some of you say, well, I can't. Uh, my background's a mess. Uh, well, tell that to Rahab the prostitute. Tell that to the demoniac in chapter 5 of Mark. Tell that to the woman at the well. You say, well, I'm too old. Tell that to Abraham and Sarah. Well, I don't have enough education. Tell that to the fisherman, Peter. Well, I was accused of something I never did. Let me suggest you read the story of Joseph. Well, I, I'm a woman. Sit down with Mary or Deborah or Ruth. In other words, we can't just keep going back and, 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 and blaming our past and blaming the situation and blaming it because God sees something inside of you that you don't yet see. So it's time we stop running from what God wants and we say, God, you're calling me. I'm going to step out and do it. See, I told this, I shared this with the men uh, at, at the men's retreat. And, um, but my background, I, I, I'm the result. You're looking at the result of a $5 bet. My, my biological father and another gentleman made a $5 bet. He bet that he could have sex with this woman, this blind date woman, 19 years of age. Before the night was over, he did. Nine months later, I was born. Then my mom finally got married. So my, my dad left, abandoned. He just left. Never seen him. Don't know anything about him. Don't know if he's alive today. Don't know if I have half-brothers or sisters somewhere. Don't know anything about him. He, my, he leaves. My mom gets married, has my brother. They get divorced. My mom gets married has my two sisters, they get divorced, my mom gets married again. So growing up, I've had four fathers. You know all the verses in the Bible talk about your forefathers? I know exactly what those mean. <laughs> my name changed from Mel to Simpson to Dugan to Whitlock. My first dad abandoned, my second dad was an undercover narcotics agent. What somebody found out one day, he went out, started his car, blew up, killed him instantly. My third dad was alcoholic, abusive. He, I'd come home from school. He'd be sitting on top of my mom, beating her with his fist. My mom would say in between punches, go to the neighbors until he's done. My fourth dad, I was in Phoenix. Uh, as, a, as a kid, I was walking down the hall to go to my room on the left. I see something out of the corner of my eye. I look over, and there's my dad with the neighbor lady from across the street in my parents' bedroom. So growing up, I've seen a dad who abandoned me. I've seen a dad who was assassinated. I've seen a dad who was alcoholic, abusive. I've seen a dad who was adultery. And some people say, well, how can you trust God to be faithful in your life? Because he's the only one who's never left me. He's still alive today. He's there for me in every situation, and he's always faithful. And, and the fact is, is that this is the God you serve who's calling you to a level of faithfulness that you don't yet see in your life. Right. See? So, so I, I can look back and I can start blaming and I can start saying all these things. Listen, your past is not your re residence, it's your reference point. That's all it is. And God wants to redeem that story there in the midst of his call. You see, uh, from, the time I from the time that I can remember, from the time I uh, started kindergarten until the time I graduated high school, I moved, that I can remember, I moved 18 different times. I was always being introduced in, in the school, in front of people I didn't know, always. This is our new student. This is our, I hated it. 
Because I had to stand in front of a class and you'd see the people making fun and all and you know all that stuff. Well, today I travel all over the world. I'm always introduced in front of people I don't know. <laughs> in other words, God says, you know what? We're going to redeem that past. We're going to turn it around. There's purpose. There's purpose if you'll allow God, and he wants to show you things in your life, and he wants to show things through your life that you thought you could never do. You say, well, I could never preach a sermon, or I could never write a book, or I could never coach someone. You're right, but you can do things that I could never do. You could, you could do far greater things that I could never do. And the fact is, that's why we need each other. That's why we need the body of Christ, because all of us don't have it all together. We need each other. And so when we finally begin to answer the call individually of who we are, then the body of Christ begins to work better together. And then suddenly we're doing things as a church we never thought we'd be able to do. But it's a matter of each and every one of us in this room today and online and watching from North Platte, every one of us saying, you know what? I'm going to answer the call that God has on my life. You may not be doing any kind of ministry today and God says, you know what? I want you to step up. And you're like, ah, it's a little scary. But God, you're calling me to do it. I don't want to pull a Jonah here. And you begin to do it. You begin to step out and do it. Maybe you're already in some aspect of leadership. God's saying, you know what? It's time to, to move to another level. And you're like, ah, I, I don't know if I can do it. God says, that's the point. Rely on me. And then all of, a sudden, and all of a sudden, the body of Christ begins to grow in levels and leaps and bounds like you never thought possible. But man, oh man, I just want to sit back. <laughs> this is great. You guys look good, by the way. This is just, this is just easy. And God says, you know what? Get up, start moving forward, and become the follower, become the person, become the disciple that God wants, that, that God has in store for you. That God says, you know what? It's time. It's time to answer the call. Teenagers, it's time to answer the call. Young adults, it's time to answer the call. Older adults, you say, well, I'm already old and all that, and, I, and, and I've done, you know what, we need, listen, and I, I, I get it now, because I'm a grandpa, actually papa, but I'm, I'm a grandpa, I get it, I get it. Grandparents, older folks who are with me, listen, you, we need you. We need you to speak in to the next generation. We need you to model for us because you guys have experiences that we don't yet have had and we need to know that, we, that, that, that God has worked faithfully. We need your story. And so let's go on and look at this. In Jonah chapter 1, verse 4, let's look at this. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate... Realize these guys are experienced sailors. They lived on the sea, and they're scared. This is an incredible storm. He says, fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted out to their gods for help, and they threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. And then it says, but all this time, Jonah was sound asleep. Just wanting to be comfortable. In the midst of this, sometimes we criticize other religions, and we criticize other, other church stuff out there that, that are praying to their gods. And yet the whole time we're criticizing, we're, we're sleeping as the church that has the truth behind it. It's time that we rise up and say, you know what? Let's pray to the God, the one God. How can you be asleep? The captain asked him at a time like this. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. The whole time he's out there sleeping, the, the Lord brings this storm. And, it, and it, it's unfortunate that the pagan, the pagan sailor had to come to the prophet of God and say, hey, Pray. Pray. 
We've fallen asleep in many. And, and God says, you know what? We got to wake up and we got to say, God, you're calling us to a new level. You're calling us to a new place. Jonah 1, 7. Let's look at this next verse. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused. Isn't that a terrible way to do things nowadays? I mean, you know, oh, it's you. Ah! And so the terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Now watch. Why is this awful storm? So remember, wind and waves and storm and, and, and I mean, it's crazy. This is a terrible storm. The boat's being tossed. I mean, all this, you know, kind of stuff. This is, this is a setting. Watch, watch. He says, who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? I mean, Jonah's like, guys, I just got up from a nap. Why are you asking me all the questions? What's going on? This big storm. I mean, can you imagine the setting? Look, look what Jonah says. Jonah answered, well, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. Do you realize that it's possible to be a worshiper, a follower, and be running from the call of God on your life? That was Jonah. He says, hey, I'm, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship, and hey, he made everything, and he knew who God was, but yet he was afraid of the call that God had called him. See, the Ninevites, these guys were terrible people. The Ninevites, uh, they, they would go in and ransack a city, kill everybody. Then they would take the heads, they would cut off the heads, and they would build a pyramid outside the city gate. And, and people would walk by and see the, oh, the Ninevites have been here. Get out of here quick. This is where God had called them to go. So you can understand why, why Jonah's like, I don't know if I want to do this. It's safer just to kind of be a prophet in my own little community here rather than go into a, no, a new place. And so as a result of this, we come to ch uh, chapter 1, verse 10. Let's look. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for they had already told them he was, for he already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? Can I challenge us with this? Don't ever let someone have to come to us and say, why did you run from the call of God? Because I see the call of God on your life. Why didn't you see it? Why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what what should we do to you to stop this storm? Watch. Throw me into the sea. Isn't it, isn't it sad that Jonah actually thought it would be better for him to be tossed into the sea than to answer the call of God on his life? Throw me in the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Jonah knows the right answers. He knows who he is. He knows the God he serves. He, 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 he's a prophet. He, he's in Israel. He, he gets all, he, he, knows every, he knows it, and yet he's still running. And storms often, watch this, storms often are God's curriculum for those called to lead. He uses storms oftentimes in our lives to bring us to a new place. I don't know that I would have ever done what I did. And not that I'm, not that I'm here boasting about that. That's not the point at all. But I, I want to show you that God, listen, if God can do it in me, who was raised in that situation and all the stuff we went through and the storms that we went through, if God can do, then he can do it in any one of you. I'm not just saying that. I, I believe that. I, I, this is with conviction. I believe that. And I believe that God wants to take every, listen, don't settle for the couch when you can, when you can answer the call. See, our, and our running away doesn't just affect our lives, it affects the lives of all people around us. If when we don't answer the call, people's lives are impacted. There was a woman who uh, came to the pastor of her church and said, Pastor, I want to start a dance ministry in the church. 
And the pastor said, no, we're not going to do it. She said, why not? He said, if we're not doing it in the community, we don't do it in the church. So she got a little upset, but she went out. She started opening up a dance studio. She started having uh, women and, and children who came to the dance studio who would have never come to the church started coming to the dance studio. She started sharing Christ with them. Many of them got saved, started coming to the church as a result. But see, it would be safe to do the dance ministry in the church. It took a little bit of something, a little bit of grit to do it out in the community. There's some risks involved. And God calls us to these risks because there's a greater purpose. And we can sit back and go, you know what, God, I can't do that. And he goes, that's the point. That's why you need me. And then we go, okay, God, I get it now. I get it. And then verse 13 Verse 3, instead, the sailors rowed even harder. They're not going to throw them out at this point of the ship to the land. But the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. So now they got a decision. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Oh, Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin, and don't hold us responsible for his death. They think he's going to die. Oh, Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Sometimes, watch, watch, sometimes we go through difficult times. Sometimes it's because we make some decisions but sometimes things happen and it's not because God is punishing us it's because God is preparing us he's preparing you for something and sometimes to get our attention this is this is his grace in action sometimes to get it he puts us in a storm and then the sailors picked up Jonah and threw him into the raging sea and the storm stopped at once what a scene I want to watch that on video when I get to heaven I mean I just think that would be an incredible incredible scene and then verse 16, the sailors were all struck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. People's lives are changed when you answer the call. And, and then now the Lord had arranged for, well, I love this, the Lord had allowed for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Watch this. We realize that this great fish, now where, where, where did this fish come from? Did it all of a sudden, I think, watch, we don't know how long the boat had been going, for, for minutes, for, for hours, we don't know, maybe a couple days, but the fact is, is that God is allowing this fish to follow the ship all along, all the time, knowing what's going to happen. Listen, aren't you glad that in the midst of even when we're running from the call of God, he's still chasing after you? He's still saying, you know what, I'm here to swallow up your life and bring you to a place, and I want to just have a conversation with you over the next couple days, and then afterwards, we're going to talk about the call. See? So he does this for three days, three nights, and then all of a sudden chapter two comes along. And listen, it's only four chapters. The book of Jonah, you need to go back and read four chapters in the book of Jonah. It's a fascinating story. Chapter two comes along, and, and after the three days, the fish vomits him out on the, on the dry land. That's why we're skipping over that part right now. Chapter three, all right, chapter three. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Aren't you glad that you serve a God who speaks to us a second time? I am so glad because you know what? If I had to rely upon one time, I missed it. I missed it. I missed it. And not only a second time, but a third time and a fourth time and a fifth time and a sixth time and a millionth time. And God speaks to him again and watch. What if, what if I was kind of like your whale and I was brought here today to simply just kind of have a conversation and say, hey, God's speaking to you again a second time, reminding you of the call, reminding you of some things that he's already spoken, reminding you that as a church that there's greater things that he wants to do and it's now time for us to step out and say, okay, God, I'm going to Nineveh. I don't get it. I don't want to go there, but I, I'm going to go. 
And then all of a sudden we realize that maybe New Life Church, watch this, maybe New Life Church, maybe God is calling you to some things greater than you've ever dreamed or imagined. And maybe as individuals, whatever level of fellowship you're at right now, wherever you're at in your walk with God, what if he's saying it's time to step up? 1 Corinthians 2.9, as we wrap this up, watch this. This is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye is seen, no ear is heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. You can't even begin to imagine what God wants to do in your life. Would you stand to your feet if you're able and let's pray. Just bow your heads if you would for just a moment. And I, and I just want you just to take a moment and just listen to the voice of the Lord right now. And, and, and just allow the Holy Spirit just to begin to speak to your life. God, what are you, what, this message, what are you wanting to do in my life as a result? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me, how do you want me to step out in a, in a greater faith level, a, a greater faithfulness level? God, what do you want to do? What are you preparing me for? What have I ran from that you're now saying, nope, time to stop running? Just take a moment and ask that question. And Heavenly Father, I want to pray for my friends here. We're all at different places in our journey with you. Some of us have just started this walk. Some of us have been in this thing for 40, 50 years. But you're not ever done with us. You're not ever at a place where we've arrived and that, that, that you're always wanting to say, okay, it's time. You're already faithful. It's time to go to the next step. It's time to, to take the next step of faithfulness. And so God, I'm praying for the release of gifts and callings and the release of whatever is needed in the lives of individuals and families and in this church. On these both campuses, that God, you would begin and continue to do the great work that you desire to do. And Father, we thank you. We thank you, God.